John 18, 1 through 11. It says, when Jesus had finished praying, he left his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden. And he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed Jesus, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, he went out and he asked them, who is it that you want? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am he. And Judas the traitor was standing there with them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and they fell to the ground. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you are looking for me, then let these men go. Oh, God, I love that about Jesus. You talk about him having your back, him protecting you, him taking a hit for you, right? This happened so the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those that you gave me. Verse 10, then Simon Peter, who had a sword, he drew it and he struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. And finally, verse 11, Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Go ahead and be seated. I told you I wanted to talk to you about prayer. Now, prayer can seem very, like, basic. I think there's people who think they know a lot about prayer. They know all about prayer. They've heard every message about prayer. Um, <clears throat> I'm telling you right now, without that simplicity or that basic value in your life, you'll just be a know-it-all and not grow at all. And so prayer is very powerful not just to know about it, but actually to be about a prayer life. There's a difference between a church that prays and a praying church. There's a difference. A church that prays, prays for certain events. A praying church prays at all times. And so there's basics of pr the basics of prayer that you need to know about. And I'm taking time to share this because there's people here, they don't know anything about prayer. You know, you're from the old school and you know a whole lot about prayer. But there's people here that don't know anything about prayer. They don't know how to pray. I mean, Pastor Steve came over here yesterday, I mean, uh, two weeks ago, and preached about the simplicity of the sign of the cross. And it's very... It's informative. And so here's some basics of prayer that you need to know about. The who, the what, the why, the when, the where, and the how. Give me five minutes to just give you all of those points. So the who, the what, the why, the when, the where, and the how. Okay, who to who should we pray? Very simple. We should pray to God the Father. Now, this is very interesting because when you begin to actually research on who you ought to pray to you're going to find that the majority of the informative informative information that is given it's asking us to pray to God the Father not the Lord not the Holy Spirit not the friend but the Father and it's very interesting to just ask why would be we be asked to pray to the Father that's what even Jesus 
When the disciples asked Jesus how, how to pray, Jesus said, this is how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. It's, listen, when you develop a prayer relationship with God as your Father, your prayer life is totally different. Because a father loves, a father embraces, a father understands, a father welcomes, a father uh, edifies, a father, a, a father, uh, uh, it's hard for some of us to understand because we didn't have a good biological father. And I say that with no disrespect, but there were things that prevented your biological father to be the father that God has replaced in your life now. But you have to transform the way you think about a father. And so, Father God is who you need to pray to. That's why he says, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit and fruit that will last. So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father, I will give you. Try changing that up. Try praying to your Father and see the world of difference in your prayer life. So that's who you pray to. Secondly, what is prayer? What is prayer? It's very simple. It's, this is for people who don't know anything about prayer. It's communication with God. There's not a certain way to pray. There's not a certain prayer to pray. Um, it's just communication with God. If you were here uh, three weeks ago, I prayed about all kinds of prayer. And I prayed about prayer walks. I prayed about so many different kinds of prayer you can pray. But it's communication. You, can, you just communicate. I'm telling you when, you, when you have that relationship with your father, your communication is so accessible. It's so exciting. It's so anticipating to want to just actually speak with God. So it's very simple. Not who, but what. What is prayer? Communication with God. That's why Isaiah 55 verse 6 said this. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. And then he says, call on him while he is near. Why does Isaiah say that? Because there's going to come a time where God is not going to be able to be prayed to. And so you better take advantage of the moment that God has given you to seek him while he could be found. Don't take for granted that every day you could just pray. And don't take for granted that every day you can pray and take your time with prayer. Because there's something that I'll talk about in a little bit that is called prayer crisis. When you have a prayer crisis, it's very hard to pray. You can't think straight. You are desperate. You are just confused. You're conflicted. It is chaotic. It is very, it's unease. It is very, it's the unknown. It's just, it's, 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 it's not like a calm prayer. So seek the Lord while he may be found. So that's what it is. Number three, why should we pray? Well, there's a whole lot of reasons why we should pray, but I think one of the reasons that we have to believe is why is because we've been commanded to. We've been commanded to pray. Um, and that's important. Listen to me. When your father commands something of you, or let's just talk about your mother. If your father wasn't there, your mother took the role of your father. And your mother or your father commanded you to do certain things. Like every morning, she would ask, did you brush your teeth? You need to brush your teeth. You have to brush your teeth. Brush your teeth before you go to bed. Brush your teeth before you go to school. Why? Why is she or he commanding you to brush your teeth? It's because they understand the importance of the future. And when God commands us to pray, he understands the importance of our future. When you learn how to pray now, then you will pray 
always you'll pray for the rest of your life so what i mean so why should we pray because god commands us to he says so i say to you seek and you shall find knock and the door shall be open listen there's a difference whenever i'm talking with somebody and they come to me there's a difference i tell you when somebody comes to me and they tell me what they're going to do versus ask me what they should do there's a difference now i'm not god I'm not Lord, I'm just their pastor. But if you're coming to the pastor to seek wisdom, it's probably best to ask what you should do versus say what you're going to do. Because when you, when you say what you're going to do, then that leaves all direction, all influence, all counseling, all advice to the left, outside the window. Because you've made up your mind. There's a difference between telling someone and asking someone and Jesus said so I say to you I tell you I'm not asking you I tell you and then he goes to prayer we are commanded to pray okay number four when when should we pray the answer to that is continually you don't pray three times a day on a certain hour I mean there's some biblical History, um, when Pastor Steve was talking about it, is when, when you prayed, uh, Muslims really, really take that seriously on how many times they should pray and even the direction they should face while they pray. But what the honest truth is, is when, when should we pray? We should pray continually, always. You should pray when you're in the shower. You should pray when you're eating. You should pray when you're driving. I'm telling you, man, we should have a service where, again, talk about old school, we should have a church service where people could be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's speaking in other tongues. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, when you run out of English, you just start speaking in an unknown language. And I'll be honest with you, that unknown language sometimes is more fulfilling than a regular English language. You start speaking to God and that spirit, things start happening. You start getting excited. You start feeling strong. You start feeling positive. You start feeling powerful. You don't even know what to ask for anymore, but your spirit inside of you is communicating with the spirit of God all around you. It's powerful, powerful. But you should pray continually. That's when you should pray. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. Okay, number five, where should we pray? Where? Okay, well, the Bible tells us different places to, to pray. We should pray in our private place. We should pray in the church. And we should pray, honestly, in every place. The Bible tells us that. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father. There it is again. Who are you praying to? To your father. Pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it's a private place. Some people call it your prayer closet. But a prayer closet, when you hear somebody say that, is basically just saying your private place of prayer. A prayer closet could be at a beach for somebody. A prayer closet can be in the shower for somebody. A prayer closet could be in the closet for somebody. But where do you pray? You pray in a private place. You pray, um, you, you pray in, in the church. You pray in every place. Okay, how should we pray? This is important here, and I'm going to say it really quick. How should we pray? We should pray, number one, with confession. Number two, with confidence. Number three, conformed to his will. And number four, committed to his name. Now, I know that was a whole lot to take in. 
So let me try to break it to you here. We should pray, number one, with confession. Um, again, we learned this a couple of weeks ago. Um, after we, after we um, praise God, after we praise God, there should come a time of cleansing for us. But we ask God to cleanse us. And that's where we confess our sins to God. Don't you thank God you don't have to go to a man and confess your sins? Because man don't forgive you. A sacrifice don't forgive you. A confession booth won't forgive you. A priest won't forgive you. A pastor won't forgive you. Your father in heaven has given you access to confess to him. Man, for a while, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. In the early 1900s, the Catholic Church were charging people for their prayers so that way God can forgive them of their sins. What a fundraiser. Imagine that. $50 a sin. One person will bring in 100 grand a day. <laughs> but you don't have to. You can cut everybody out. There's no middleman anymore. Jesus your Father in heaven is your source. That's who you confess to. And so, so with confession, this is how you pray. With confession, this is how you pray. With confidence. My favorite scripture is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 to 14. That says, let us therefore then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that way we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That's what the Hebrew writer says. So, there's no need to be to go to God afraid. I told you why people don't pray three weeks ago is because, number one, they don't make time to, or, or, or secondly, they're just afraid of God. There's no need to be afraid of God. He's not like your earthly father. You can mess up and he'll still love you. You can mess up and he won't take your cell phone away. You can mess up and you can still be around him. You can mess up and he won't give you a cold shoulder. You can mess up and he won't look different at you. You can mess up and he still embrace you. He can, you can mess up and he'll still claim you as his son, as his daughter. He'll still claim you with your mess ups, with confidence. That, that's why I'm excited about tonight. There's, I'm confident. I can't wait to see what's going to happen when all of us ask for the same thing tonight. Oh, my gosh. Come on. How many of you have more than three kids? Okay, now, see, when your kids get smart, they'll plan behind your back what they're going to ask dad for. And when all five of them come at the same time, and they start asking dad for the same thing, dad can't help but to say, okay, you got my attention. It's not just one of you, but it's all five of you are coming to me. Okay, we'll go to Six Flags Magic Mountain then. Okay, get in the car and let's head on out. You're buying the ticket, but get on. Let's go to the, to the park. But so you, with, with, with uh, confession, with confidence, conform to his will. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus, when he prayed, remember that when he, when he prayed, and this is in the same text, when he was in the garden, his prayer in the garden is when he said, Father, he's praying to his father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. What cup? The cup that he was going to have to face, the cup of death. The cup of execution. He says, impossible, can this be taken from me? But then he said, but nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. See, when you pray, when you pray, this is how you pray. Not just with confession, not just with confidence, but with conformity. Conforming to his will. Father, when you ask God the Father, Lord, 
I love that girl over there. I love the way she lifts her hands and worships God. Fernie's saying love is in the air, so let's just emphasize on this point. I love when she lifts her hands and look at her eyes are just on you. She loves Jesus. Oh, God. I want her. You better ask God if it's his will. Because just, just because her finger, fingernails are done every week, it doesn't mean she's the one for you. That's right. Just because she can sing well, just because she looks great, it doesn't mean that's God's will for you. you but be, I'll tell you right now, okay, because things change. Well, look at all, everybody who's been married for 30 years are like, amen, preach it, pastor. <laughs> that hair starts disappearing. That's right. Those white teeth become false teeth. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The back starts going out. Body starts aching. Skin starts sagging. Flawless face turns to a wrinkled face. So you better not fall in love with the outer appearance of that man or that woman. He may make a lot of money now, but you never know what happened after the first year you get married. May lose his job and lose his career, lose all of that. So if you are not praying God's will for your prayer, you got to be very careful. So yes, confession with confidence, conformity, and also committed to Jesus' name. Committed in Jesus' name. That's how we should pray. So again, let me make it simple for you guys, okay? Who do we pray to? God the Father. What is prayer? Communication. Why should we pray? Because we're commanded to. When should we pray? Continually. Where should we pray? A private place, the church, or in every place. And how should we pray? With confession, confidence, with conformity, and committed. Now, it's interesting. I have 10 minutes left, guys. It's interesting. When we read that text today, how that arrest that happened in Jesus' life. Jesus is known as the... The last Adam. The last Adam. There's the first Adam, which was Adam and Eve. And then he is the last Adam. Now, it's interesting to take a look at the garden because the first Adam was also in a garden. The last Adam, Jesus, was found now in the garden. When you look at both of their lives, and this is interesting because it's kind of going to help us for the last 10 minutes here. When, when you actually uh, pay uh, attention to what took place there at that garden. Christ, the last Adam, met the enemy in this garden that we just read. He met the enemy. Christ triumphed in that garden that day. Well, the first Adam also met the enemy, but he failed. See, you got to understand, the first Adam is what messed everything up for us. The last Adam is what saved everything for us. And let's learn from the two. Let's learn from the two. The difference between the first Adam and the last Adam is one was praying and the other one wasn't. Now this is exciting what's about to happen in the rest of the sermon here. Is Adam, himself, Adam hid himself while Christ revealed himself. See, when a person is praying, they have no problem with transparency. When a person is praying, they have no problem with humility. See, but when a person is not praying, they will hide their true selves. They will put extra makeup on. I'm not, I'm not 
I mean, this ain't directed to anybody here. They'll put extra makeup on. They'll put extra gel. Okay, let's talk about Pastor Fernie. He'll put extra gel. But they hide. They hide. It's because, listen to me, when you are holding hands with God, there's a, there's a sense of confidence that is in, in a person. You don't need the applause of another human being. You don't need a raise from your job. You don't even really need somebody to tell you you look nice. You know you look nice because you're holding hands with God. What matters as long as God says you're the apple of his eye, then you're okay with that and you could care less if you're a rotten apple in somebody else's eye. As long as you're the apple of God's eye, that's what matters. And so Adam hid himself or Christ revealed himself in the garden. God the Father and God the Son were both betrayed in a garden. Now, this is powerful. Here's when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. That was powerful because Jesus taught them how to pray. But here's what's more powerful is not when Jesus teaches you how to pray, but when Jesus shows you the results of prayer. And what happened in this garden, Jesus wasn't teaching anybody how to pray. He was showing the results of prayer, what prayer does. And so he's in this garden. He just finished praying. And this whole scene takes place, what we read together in our opening text. If you can imagine it, if you can picture it, it was quite a violent moment in Jesus' life and the disciples' life. It was a crisis that took place. And so when we can actually see the results of prayer in Jesus' life, here's what we can see what prayer does. Number one. Here's what prayer does. Write it down. Prayer prepares. Oh, my gosh. See, that's why it is important. It is important to pray before you start your day. It really is. I know we could pray whenever we want. We could pray continually. But I like to pray before I start my day. I do. That, that's the launch of my prayer. And throughout the rest of the day, it's continually happening. But the launch of the prayer is in the morning before I face anything that the day, that the day is waiting for. Anything. Why? It's because prayer prepares you for what's going to happen. Uh, I, I, I wish that you guys were in agreement with me here today. See, thank you, thank you. So, so Jesus is, is actually showing us something. And remember when they were praying, or I should say when he was praying. Because you know what happened with the other guys. What happened to the other guys? Huh? They went sheepish. They had a good cup of abuelita hot chocolate and they just knocked out by the fireplace in the garden. Big mistake. Big mistake. Um, prayer prepares. That's why in John 18, 4, the text that we read, here, you got to catch this stuff, you guys. It says, it says, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, prayer prepares. Knowing all what was going to happen to him. See, this is why Jesus wanted to pray. Because he knew prayer was going to prepare him for what was about to happen to him. See, we can't go around thinking that we could do it in our strength. The Bible, as a matter of fact, the Bible says, cursed is a man who makes flesh his strength. But blessed is he whose hope is in the Lord. That's what the Bible says. You are cursed if you think your strength, your knowledge, your experience, your history is going to get the job done for a brand new day. 
No, it don't work like that. Knowing what was going to happen to him, that's why he prayed. The disciples took it for granted. Prayer prepares. Prayer prepares. Who knows what's going to happen to any of us when we leave these doors today? Are you prepared for what's going to happen when you leave these doors? We take for granted our every single day life. But prayer prepares you for those things that we must face in life. God is gracious. I understand that. His grace is amazing. Oh, I'm a witness to that. His mercy endures forever. His love is kindness. His love never fails. I understand that. But prayer prepares you for what you are going to face in your life. Listen, if you know you have a job interview... Pray before you go to the job interview. Why? Because prayer prepares you for that job interview. If you know that you're going to go see the doctor and you just had some labs done and some blood drawn, then pray before you go see that doctor because prayer prepares you. Pray before you propose to that lady. Who said she's going to say yes? Pray before you propose. That ring better be big. <laughs> Pray before you step behind a pulpit. Don't you dare. I'll tell you right now, in the last four years, nobody wants to be a preacher. Nobody wants the pulpit. They're saying, I don't mess with that stuff over there. I have it hard just over here. I do not want to step behind there. You take all the hits, Pastor. You hang yourself. You cure yourself. You lay your, down, lay your life down. Let us live happily in prosperity all our lives. But you better pray before you step behind the pulpit. You, knowing all that was going to see, that's why I hate preaching about marriage, and that's why I hate preaching about the devil. I preach about the devil. The devil says, okay, you want to fight? You want to fight? You're calling me out? Think you're all bad up there with a microphone in your hand and people clapping? Okay, let's wait till Monday. When you ain't got a mic and nobody's clapping. Oh, you want to preach about marriage? The devil says, okay. Oh, how beautiful. What a great example you are. Okay. Bam! That's how it works, right? Those of you guys who have been around, that's how it works. See, but also, prayer works. See, prayer prepares. You better pray before you step behind the pulpit. You better pray before you go to court. You better pray before you see that loan officer. Prayer prepares. Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, that's why he prayed. Prayer prepares you. It prepares you for what I call the undeniable and the unavoidable. The undeniable and the unavoidable. You know, those are things that just have to happen in your life. There's no other way around it. Not even God will intervene to change it. It's just part of God's will for your life. There are certain things that have to happen in your life. It will never change. Prayer won't even change it because it's God's will for your life. There's certain things that are going to happen. The unavoidable, the un, um, un, undeniable, these things. See, here's what I mean. What happened here in the garden with Jesus, there was no other way around it. It had to happen. And this was God's son. This was God's son. It was so critical, so unattractive. It was so unfriendly that even Jesus said, if it's possible, can we just... Can we switch the date, Father? Can we just, can it happen some other way? Like maybe just 
a bullet to the head or something. Can happen another way, Father. If possible, can we just can we just change the will? Can we just change the will? There's some things that are unavoidable. They're just unavoidable. I don't care how hard you try. I don't care how hard you try. You can work out. You can lose all the weight. You can have the strongest heart, the greatest lungs, and still die of a disease. There's just things that are unavoidable. There are things that are undeniable. And it hurts more when they come with Judas. So Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers. That's a heartbreak. That's a heartbreak when somebody you trusted in your ministry, you trusted in your ministry, you, gave, you empowered him, you didn't even expose him. You looked over all of his failures and mistakes. You never talked bad about him because you didn't want the rest of the team to trip out about him. But then his true character is revealed. He never was with you in the first place. He never was for you in the first place. And it hurts more when it's not only him, but he's the one that Satan used. How do I know? Because the Bible says Satan entered Judas. He's the one that the devil used to bring an entourage of people to take you to your death. And Jesus is there knowing what was going to happen to him. Knowing that that's why he prayed. Because prayer gives you the strength to face the worst day of your life. That's why he prayed. Don't wait to pray during your worst day of your life. Pray before the worst day of your life. And he shows up and he's full of strength. And there he is. Thank God that he prayed because we see what happens <laughs> with people who don't pray. They chop ears off. Jesus prayed and he took it like a man. He took it like a man. And I'm telling you, he took it like a man because he was all human during this time. His longing to want to exit out of God's plan shows that he was all human. He was all human, but he took it like a man. And I love what he did. He says, if this was the east side of Oxford, he would have said, who are you looking for? He says, who is it that you are looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, people will always wonder, where being slain in the spirit comes from. This is one biblical example of what the name of Jesus could do to somebody. When Jesus said, I am he, the Bible says that they fell back to the ground at the name of Jesus Christ. I am he. Now it must have been a gentle touch from, the, from God because the Bible says they got back up and asked him the same thing. Jesus said, who are you looking for? And they said again, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And once again, Jesus said, I am he. I am he. This was an unavoidable moment in Jesus' life. It had to happen. There was no way around it. This is why you hear the saying all the time, you better be prayed up. You better be prayed up. Be prayed up. That's why it says, be alert. Be alert. For your, the devil is like a roaring lion who is seeking someone to devour. you got to understand the mission of the devil. The mission of the devil, I told you 
last time. He's a masquerader. But after he's done with his great acting job, after, he is, after he's auditioned to see if he's going to make the part in your life, and you give him the part in your life, then the true character of the devil comes out. The devil cometh only to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what eventually begins to happen. So it is unvoidable. And this is why you got to be prayed up at all times. Be alert at all times. Because he's a good masquerade, but his true character comes out. And if you're not prayed up, Sometimes it's very difficult to get prayed up while you're getting beat up. Prayer prepares. There are going to be moments in your life when it's too late to pray. Some of you know what I'm about to say. When you see that other car coming to you head on, it's kind of too late to pray. Thank God if you have enough time just for the name of Jesus to come out of your mouth. The other day I was stuck on Ventura Road. Fire engine, ambulance trapped me in on Victoria Avenue. I'm sorry. And so I had no choice but to wait in my car. And there was two cars that had gotten an accident. And one of the vehicles was... One of the vehicles was so tangled up. They had to use the jaws of life, which took them about 45 minutes to not just cut the outside of that car, but cut everything else on the inside to get to the driver who was trapped in his vehicle. And so I'm there and I'm saying, the best thing I could do and the only thing I could do is just pray continually for this. Pray for this man. Pray for this other young person who walked away with no scratches and this other man here. Was, was caught and trapped in there and they finally pull him out and it appeared as if he had no scrapes on his body and pulled him out on the stretcher put him in the ambulance went on their way and I was like oh thank God but I read in the newspaper the next day that he passed away that night don't wait till it's too late there's going to be times when it's too late to pray tragic news when tragic news comes your way don't wait to pray then. Pray now for the worst day of your life. When you get a phone call from your wife that tells you she has cancer. When you get a phone call from your sister that says your father has cancer and he only has so, many, so much time to live. When you get a phone call and say, we don't know what happened, but, but so-and-so just died. We, we, we don't know what happened, but, but your, 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 your kid didn't come home last night. I don't know what, what, what happened, but... But my husband wants to leave me and split. Now, I don't know what happened, but they say that my, my kid is, 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 is autistic. My kid is, has diseases. I don't know what happened. But see, if you're prayed up, knowing what could happen to you, prayer prepares. It prepares. It prepares. It prepares. It prepares you. For when you're all alone. Okay, this is how I have to close. We'll, we'll, this, this is how I have to close. Fern, come on up here. Or whoever's coming on the keys. It prepares you. When you're all alone. See, Jesus 
the only time he was alone is when he prayed. And all other times, he always had people around him. You feel a little bit comforted when you have people with you and people for you. But when they all are gone, because that's exactly what happened. See, when the Roman army came to arrest somebody, they always made sure that they overrode their enemy. So they never just came. You got to understand what it says. They came in torches. They, they came in guards, guarded, and they came with weapons. But when you see these movies, it just shows like four or five people coming to arrest Jesus. No, the Roman army didn't go that way. They always made sure that they were going to win every battle with the enemy. They came that day with more than 500 soldiers to arrest Jesus. You know what that did? That caused the 12 to bounce, to split, to take off. Jesus looked around. Where did they all go? Where did they all go? Jesus is all by himself. Prayer prepares you for your alone moments. When your best friend leaves, when your spouse leaves, when your pastor don't show up, when your church family is not around, when your husband walks out on you, when there's unfaithfulness that takes place, when you get, when you find yourself all by yourself, all by yourself, prayer prepares you for when everybody else leaves you. Wow. Wow. Come on, let's stand.